You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome to A Bigger Life. I'm Dave Cover. I want to look today at Matthew chapter 5. This is the beginning of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to look at what's been called the Beatitudes. And it's called the Beatitudes not because these need to be our attitudes. I used to think that. <laughs> but it's called the Beatitudes because the Greek word is translated into Latin in the early centuries of Christianity. And the Latin word for blessed is beatus. So the beatus, be- Beatitudes. But we're, well, that the reason why it's also called the Beatitudes is because that word blessed that gets translated in the Latin beatus, that word blessed is repeated nine times, and it's kind of the key word. Everything hinges on what you think about how you understand that word for blessed. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the Beatitudes, this passage, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12, it comes in a certain place in Matthew where it is Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. So in the few verses right before this, in Matthew 4, 23, Matthew says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news, the gospel, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And he'll give a similar kind of summary in chapter 9 as well. I think what Matthew's wanting us to see here is that the good news, the gospel of the kingdom, is being illustrated and shown by Jesus healing every disease and sickness. When Jesus healed every disease and sickness, that's a picture of the restoration that takes place when heaven comes back to earth, when the kingdom of God comes to earth. The exile is over that began in Genesis 3. We're going back to Genesis 1 and 2, where the presence of God is on earth. We are fully enjoying the image of God, reflecting the glory of God, sharing in the love of God and the creation of God and the rule of God over the earth. This is a time that is is the kingdom of God. This is the goal of the human race. This is the goal of the end story, the bigger life, the bigger story of the Bible. So when Jesus starts speaking in Matthew chapter 5, he's talking about what does the kingdom of God look like? What is it going to be? And what do those people right now who believe the gospel, believe the good news of the kingdom of God, what do they look like? How do you describe them? And so in in all of these descriptions in the Beatitudes, they are all different descriptions of the same thing. They're different descriptions of what a person looks like when they believe the good news of the kingdom. And they're all different descriptions of the same thing of what the kingdom of God will be. So Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, I'm just going to read this. Blessed, that's that key word, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, or children of God would be a better translation. That's how the NIV translates it. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, you can hear the poetry, right? You can hear the cadence. And the reason why we're talking about this passage today in this podcast, because this podcast is sort of dedicated to talking about passages that we can meditate on and use in prayer back to God, and they have a poetic, imaginative, illustrative aspect to them that helps us meditate, helps us use our imagination to picture a closer connection with God and to meditate on that and pray that and have that inspire our prayer. And I, I have always come to this, well, I've often come to this passage because of that. It, it is a passage that motivates me, provides for me the kind of illustrative language that helps me connect with God in prayer and in meditation. Now, again, like I said, that word blessed is kind of the key to this whole passage. If you read any commentary on this passage, one of the first things you'll see is just how difficult it is for translators to translate this Greek word into English. There's simply just no good single Greek, or I should say no single English word that captures the the complexity, the the beauty, the full nuance of this weighty word in the Greek. There's another Greek word that's often translated into English as blessed that Matthew could have used, but he used this word because it has a fuller nuance. It has a deeper weightiness to it. And so the word used here for blessed has the idea of shalom. It has the idea of security, of a deep sense of happiness and, and, and a joy and satisfaction and gladness of heart that comes with shalom, comes with flourishing. It, it, it's a word that really captures the idea of the kingdom of God in a deep way. And so when we get into understanding, therefore, the people that are, are going to experience this flourishing and this deep sense of joy and gladness and satisfaction and security that this word denotes, the satisfaction is is the being blessed are those who are poor in spirit. It's upside down, right? Because you don't think of poor in spirit as joyful, satisfaction, flourishing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And then Jesus says, rejoice in verse 12, rejoice and be glad, which is really kind of capturing what that word blessed means. Why? Well, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They shall be comforted. They shall inherit the earth. They shall be satisfied. 
they shall receive mercy. They shall see God. They shall be called children of God. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in in heaven. So the idea here, all these blessedness, all these beatitudes are the opposite. They're kind of the antithesis of how we naturally think or how the world tells us to think, how to be happy, how to be fulfilled, how to flourish. They're the opposite. So they look upside down, but really they're right side up. Jesus is coming from the outside in, speaking into our upside down world and our exile and our upside down way of thinking. And he's trying to show us what right side up looks like. They're, if you wanted to say it in contemporary terms, they're Jesus's secret to a happy life. And it's, it's every other perspective that's upside down. How we think we find happiness is upside down. And we know this doesn't work, right? I mean, we, we read article after article that the way we think we find happiness through all the things that our culture says you find happiness, they, they don't last, they don't work. They just make us more depressed, upside down in our lives. And so Jesus is speaking of what right side up looks like. The key here is the one who's talking is our creator. The one who's talking is the one who created all things. This is the I am who has become human. And so you and I live, he's telling us we live in a universe. We live in a creation that's been made in such a way. We live in a universe created by God, a God who is such a way, and we don't get to create our own universe. We don't get to live in our own universe. We live in God's universe. And at the very fabric of his universe are these beatitudes. This is how we flourish. This is how anyone flourishes in the universe that God has created. And if we try to go our own way, we're not going to be blessed. We're not going to be happy. We're going to be miserable. It won't work because it can't work because it's, it's not how you're made and I'm made. It's not how the universe has been created. Happiness cannot be found outside of the way God has created us and the way God has created the universe. So in verse 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And that's a direct quotation of Psalm 3711. So we've talked about how we know Jesus spent a lot of time meditating on the Psalms, praying through the Psalms, because he quoted these these verses in the Psalms by memory. And that's what he's doing here. The Psalm 3711 says, The meek shall inherit the earth, the land. It'll say land in your translation, but the Hebrew word for land is also the Hebrew word for earth. And if you look at the Greek translation of this called the Septuagint that was translated into Greek in 200 BC, it uses the exact same word that's used in the Greek here in Matthew for, for earth. So the meek shall inherit the earth. And the second part of that verse is pretty interesting and delight themselves in abundant peace. Abundant shalom would be the word in Hebrew. So again, we're looking at this word blessed, abundant shalom, abundant flourishing, abundant joy and security and happiness and and rejoicing. The meek shall inherit this. We don't think of meekness as inheriting the entire world. We don't think of meekness as inheriting abundant peace. We think of meekness being swept aside 
while the winners run by us and we're, we're FOMO, we're, we're missing out, we're the fear of missing out. Jesus says it's upside down that humility, gentleness, kindness, what we would call the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, which is a direct synonym of meek, and, and self-control, that's what inherits all of God's kingdom. That's what inherits this world. That is what will inherit and be, delight ourselves in abundant peace. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I, I think of what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.22, where he says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with all those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. A pure heart is righteousness, faith, love, peace. Again, it's the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Holiness is the same thing as being pure in heart, as being meek, as having a sense of being poor in spirit, Blessed are those who mourn is the idea that we know this world is not what it's supposed to be. And we're, we know this world is not the, well, it doesn't get much better than this kind of narrative. We're not trying to find our heaven on earth in this life. We're not living just to eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. We're not living to die. We're living for resurrection. And so blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Think of Revelation 21, the second to last chapter of the Bible, where it says that when heaven comes back to earth and we're in the presence of God, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. This is what the kingdom of heaven will be. We will see God face to face. It says in the last chapter of the Bible, they will see his face and his name will be on their forehead. Now that's a symbolic, poetic way of saying we will be identified with him. We will belong to him. We will be part of his secure in his hand, in his grip. He will be our God. We will be his people. John says in 1 John 2, dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves. So the idea of having a pure heart, pursuing righteousness, pursuing faith, pursuing love and peace is the idea that we are we we want to see God and God is righteous and God is love and God is peace. And so we are conforming our own character to the character of love and faith and righteousness and peace. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. I think of Paul when he says in Romans 12, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Or the author of Hebrews says in twelve fourteen, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Or James says in three eighteen, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So again, what people look like when we're living in the right side up 
under the belief of the good news, having the hope of the kingdom of heaven, is that we are peacemakers. We are merciful. We are willing to be persecuted and slandered and have things said about us on social media or have rumors spread about us falsely because people don't like someone living right side up. They don't like someone who is hungering and thirsting for righteousness. They don't like someone who is trying to live a life of purity in heart, who is meek and poor in spirit and and understanding the kingdom of God as being comforted, inheriting the earth, being satisfied, receiving mercy, seeing God, being called children of God, and living for the reward of heaven. The culture that lives upside down generally doesn't like somebody who has that kind of hope. They like certain things about it, but they don't like it when we don't participate in the same kind of upside down values that they might have. But rather, we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, not in the stereotyped way of being self-righteous and judgmental and having our arms folded and judging people from the outside looking in and having a cultural separation. That's not the kind of righteousness Jesus is talking about. He's talking about hungering and thirsting for the righteousness of God, the, the rightness, the, the justice, the, the idea that we live in God's universe. And so we want to have the fruits of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's the kind of righteousness Jesus wants and he's talking about here because that's what holiness is. So Jesus says just in the next chapter, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God, which is all that he's talking about here, and his righteousness, God's righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. The shalom, the blessedness, the security, the joy of being in the kingdom of God. And so it reminds me of Psalm 1611, where David says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is the promise of the kingdom of God that Jesus is saying that we li- we, when we live right side up, in meekness and gentleness and humility and being peacemakers and being pure in heart, being willing to mourn and grieve in this life because we understand the hope of heaven. We understand the hope of the kingdom of God and seeking to be righteous and to hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. That's the kind of life that is only livable. We only want to live that when we have this hope when we have this sense of the blessed hope that Paul talks about in Titus 2.13, while we wait for the blessed hope, he says, for the grace of God has appeared, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. While we wait for the blessed, that's that same word, blessed, that we're looking at here in these verses that Jesus is talking about. While we wait for the blessed hope, this hope of shalom, this hope of flourishing, And he says, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter says, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, same word, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. James says, blessed is the one who perseveres because that person will receive the crown of life. 
that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So we can see that all of this is about the right side up living for the kingdom of God, the right side up of of what looks upside down in our upside down world. And so what I like to do in in this passage is, is see it as an opportunity for me to meditate on these things and to meditate on the promise and to pray through the promise of what of what Jesus wants me to really get here and to and to really get it to really catch it I need to think about it in an imaginative way I need to think about it in a prayerful way I need to think about it in a way where I'm imagining the promise of Jesus what he's trying to say to me here what he wants me to understand so that I don't live upside down but I live right side up because I believe in the hope of the coming kingdom of God. And I understand where real security is and joy and rejoicing and the shalom, the flourishing of the promise of the kingdom where he healed every disease and sickness among the people because he was preaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. That's what the good news is. This is believing the good news. All right, so let's take some time here together and try to meditate and pray through what Jesus is trying to help us to catch, to get. Uh, This is how we are going to be healed of our diseases and our sickness of soul and body in the kingdom of heaven, is if we embrace what he is saying to us here, rather than just see it as kind of neat poetry and move on, that we would soak in it, that we would meditate on it, that we would pray it through, just like Jesus would pray through the Psalms, that we would do that here with these words of Jesus. He said his words in John 6, 62, his words are spirit and they are life and they give us life in the kingdom of God. And so we're going to soak in these words of Jesus here so that we have his life, his shalom, his blessedness in our lives. Let's do that right now. Let me lead you in a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to believe the words of Jesus who rose from the dead. And so everything he said is true. You were born into the human race, into the person of Jesus, and you did miracles. You healed every disease and sickness as you were preaching the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God, the good news of healing, the good news of restoration, When Jesus appears in glory and brings heaven back to earth, and as Peter says in Acts 3.21, it is the restoration of all things. As Jesus says in Matthew 19.28, the renewal of all things. When he comes back, as it says in Revelation, the old order of things has passed away and God dwells with us and there's no more mourning or crying or pain or death. And that this is this joy that Jesus said, that your joy may be full, that you would have abundant life. I came that you would have abundant life, abundant joy, and that we would have, that I would have, Father, this blessedness that you want to give me. This shalom, this happiness, this joy, this satisfaction, gladness, security, deep security, and joy, and flourishing 
the shalom the Bible promises, the peace, blessed, secure, happy, joyful are the poor in spirit. I want to be poor in spirit. I want to have this sense of always needing you, not having what I need, not being self-sufficient, knowing that I'm not self-sufficient, knowing that I am in need of your mercy, in need of your abundant, steadfast love every minute of the day. I am poor and you are rich. I think of what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, where he says, you think you're rich, but you're actually poor and you're blind and you're naked. And I would advise you to buy from me. I need to buy from you. I am poor. I need you. I need your riches. I need your blessing, your blessedness in my life. That happy and secure and flourishing even are those who mourn in this life, those who grieve and those who mourn. And there are going to be times ahead where I'm going to have to grieve and mourn. And you are assuring me that it's not because something terrible has gone wrong with the promises of God. It's not going to be that something is off track with the good news of your kingdom. It's not going to be that somehow your promises aren't true, but it's going to be that your promises are true, that I am on track with the kingdom of God because blessed, secure, and happy, and deep-seated joyful are those who mourn and grieve for they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted by the one who wipes every tear from my eye. I want to be blessed, satisfied, secure, full of joy are those who are meek, Jesus says, humble, gentle, kind, not proud not self-sufficient, not arrogant, not belittling others, not using others for my own advancement, but willing to sacrifice for the better of others, the better of community. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth and delight themselves in abundant shalom, it says in Psalm 37. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Those are strong words. Words that have a lot of imagination. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Father, I want to hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. I believe Jesus. I'm all in. I want to be all in. I want to hunger and thirst. I want to long for and yearn for your righteousness. I want to pursue righteousness and faith. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness because Jesus says they shall be satisfied. It's those who hunger and thirst for righteousness that are going to be satisfied. Everybody else is going to be empty. 
Everybody else is going to die a dead end. But those who hunger and thirst for God's kingdom and God's righteousness, they're the ones who are going to be satisfied. They're the ones who are going to have flourishing, satisfaction, security, joy. Blessed with security and satisfaction and joy are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Oh God, I pray that you would help me have this demeanor of mercy, of grace toward people, that I would be gracious to those even when they're causing me to be impatient or even when they treat me unkindly or they treat me with their own pride or their own arrogance, that I would have a sense of just a demeanor of mercy and grace because I am in need of your mercy and grace and I'm going to have to depend upon receiving your mercy to be in the kingdom of God and so that I would be merciful, Father, that I would be merciful in just the way I talk to people, that I would be merciful in the way I talk to my family, treat my friends, treat my coworkers, that I would be merciful to the person who's going slow in front of me, that I would be merciful to, to all of those who tax my patience or treat me unkindly or whatever it is that would cause me to want to say something smart back or say something defensive back, somebody's criticizing me, somebody's speaking bad to me, that I would want to snap back, that instead that I would live by the right side up truth of your coming kingdom, of your good news, and that I would experience the healing of every disease and sickness by this joy and satisfaction taking root in me and causing me to be merciful, to be pure in heart, so that I would see God, that I would see your face that no one can look on now without being incinerated and yet in your kingdom, I will be changed in such a way. I don't know what I will be, John says. What we will be, we don't know. But we do know that when Christ appears, we will be changed. We will be like him so that we can see him as he is and not be incinerated. That I'll be able to look upon your face. No one has done that to see your glory. And all who have this hope, John says, purify themselves I want to be pure in heart, to see God, to see the glory, your beauty, your radiance, your holiness, your splendor, your majesty. I couldn't even look upon it now, but that I would be pure in heart now so that I can be in your kingdom and look upon your purity and your righteousness and your glory to be with you, always with you, always in the presence of you, always to see your face and have your face shine upon me, happy and secure and joyful, Jesus says, are those who are pure in heart, happy and secure and joyful and full of flourishing and shalom are the peacemakers, for there will be children of God that I would be a person who, as far as it depends on me, seek with every effort to, to be at peace with everyone, to make every effort to live in peace with everyone, to sow in peace so that I can reap a harvest 
of righteousness. As far as it depends upon me to go ahead and take the humble road, the gentle road, to be meek, to be poor in spirit, to be merciful, so that I can live at peace with everyone as far as it depends upon me. Even when I am persecuted, even when people speak falsely against me and accuse me because I want to live in righteousness, that they would accuse me and, and slander me, that I would have this sense of being a peacemaker, that I would be a, a meek person, a person who is merciful, because I already know that great is my reward in the kingdom of heaven. I don't have to fight for anything now. I don't have to have the fear of missing out of anything now. Because I know this, what no eye has seen, or nor ear heard, nor the heart of anyone imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I want to love you with a pure heart. I want to hunger and thirst for you and your righteousness even if it costs me in this life, it costs me and I, people are reviling me and saying evil falsely because I'm trying to live for you, that that would be okay, that I would rejoice, that I would even be glad because I know that my reward in the kingdom of heaven is great. I want to live for righteousness' sake for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of your truth, for the sake of your glory, for the sake of your beauty, and therefore to live mercifully, to live as a peacemaker, to live as someone who is able to mourn without losing my faith because I know that I'll be comforted, to live as somebody who is poor in spirit rather than arrogant and self-sufficient, that I would just have this lowly sense about me because I know in the in this upside-down world, that that is right-side-up. To be healed of my diseases, to be healed of the brokenness in your kingdom, to be restored in the restoration of all things, and to live for that now as a sign of your restoration, to live this way now as a sign of your coming kingdom, to live this way now in an upside-down world, to live right-side-up, as a sign of your glory and your beauty and your transcendence and your mercy and your abundant steadfast love and your grace and your promise of healing and restoration in the gospel. I thank you for this promise. I thank you for this story that my life is in. I'm, I thank you for the hope of this. This hope of what Paul referred to as the blessed hope, I'm waiting for the blessed hope of the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.